to be given the power to prosper. So come on, so say with me, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You've been given the power to prosper, to thrive. Glory be to God. Amen. Um, Joshua, if we can have up there the confession that we did last Sunday. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. So what are we teaching on today? What's the sermon today? Well, when I send you, when the church sends you the, um, the notice, the sermon title, please do watch it. <laughs> yes, how to walk in the spirit so that you can pray and prepare yourself. All right. So praise the Lord. And um, well, we are a church. So we are a family. I need your prayers and you need my prayers. I need your response or your responses, and you need my responses. Can we say amen? Amen. Let's function together in unity. Let's function together in spiritual unity, especially. Amen. That we are one together. We are one serving the Lord together. We are one hearing his voice, having his leading, having his guidance, going where he's leading us. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Have you got it, Josh? Okay. All right. So if I can ask you to stand with me, just follow me. Can I ask you to stand with me? Just follow me. I am a child of God. I am what the word of God says I am. I can do what the word says I can do. I'm full of love, joy, and peace. I'm full of faith, hope, and the power of God. I am a believer, not a doubter, pliable, not rigid, teachable, not stubborn. Praise the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Because the most powerful person speaking is yourself. So that's why I have to get you to speak. So even now, as the preaching goes on, you are taking the revelations. Taking the revelations and deposit them into your spirit. You're not a passive listener. You're an active listener. And you're taking the revelations and deposit them into your spirit. We are in the spiritual realm. That's what the service is about. You are called the ecclesia, the people of God. You have been put into the realm of the spirit. And in the realm of the spirit, all things are possible. You don't have to wait till I lay hand on you to be healed. You can be healed while the word of God is being preached. You can be healed while we were singing and worshiping. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So how to walk in the spirit? Well, for those of us that are born again, Our born-again spirit is where the Holy Spirit resides. The Holy Spirit resides in your born-again spirit. You don't have to keep looking for him. And so your spirit is the part of you that is the most powerful. Your spirit is the part of you that is most powerful. And that's why Jesus said, we read that this morning. Verily, verily, you must be born again. Notice Jesus did not say you better be. He did not say you should be. What did he say? Must be. That means it's not an option. That means without being born again, you will never succeed in life. You will always be defeated in your life. Your born again spirit is the most powerful part of you. It's more powerful than your mind. It's more powerful than your thinking. When it comes to defeating the law of sin and death. 
Your spirit is the most powerful part of you when it comes to defeating sin and death. How many of you have heard of the Apostle Paul? Go with me to Romans chapter 7, verse 22. Romans 7, 22. Now, Paul, he was born again. But even before he got born again, he was a very fervent. He was a very fervent believer. It's just that he believed in the wrong thing. Or his belief was not complete. Why was it not complete? Because he did not have the Holy Spirit. He had always been a very serious believer. And when he got born again, he became very, very sincere, became very, very true, and definitely a very serious believer for the Lord. He was very, very intentional in the way that he lived. He was very, very intentional in his pursuit of God. He definitely was not playing around. He definitely was not trying to get a position. And you need to hear from his heart. It's very important that we hear from his heart. He said, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Now that my eyes had been opened, I really, I delight myself in the law of God after the inward man. I think it's the same for all of us who are born again. There's such a delight coming out of the word of God. But listen to verse 23. But I see another law in my members, in me, warring against the law of my mind. You know, I have brought my thoughts in captivity. I have renewed my mind with the word of God. I have made up my mind to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I've had an encounter With the light, with the Lord Jesus Christ. I had never seen him in person, but I've had an encounter with him in the spirit. But still, I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He said, Lord, remember I shared with you. Thursday, the kingdom warriors, Hannah, she was so honest and she was so true and so sincere. I don't see there's any other way to live once you are born again. You know, being sincere and true and honest. How can you hide from God? If you hide from God, it's to your own destruction. So Paul said, I'm being very honest here. I did my best. I tried my best, but somehow... I was still in captivity to the law of sin. And in fact, I found that the law of sin was actually in my body. And this is the good news. This is the good news. Paul had got the revelation that with all of his spiritual mind, he could not help but sin. His mind could not subdue his flesh. His mind could not stop him from sinning. And the good news is one man's sincere struggles, one man's sincere struggles by the grace of God then became the revelation that set all of us free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What the devil meant for harm, you have to understand that Paul was having so much revelation. If the devil could put him down, it would take God a lot of time to find a similar person who is so sincere, so true, so fervent, so intense in his pursuit of God. And that's why the devil was working overnight. To defeat him. And one way to defeat good Christians, sincere Christians, is to keep you looking at your sin. To keep you and lock you in your guilt and your shame. And that was what's happening to Paul 
But because of him, the grace of God came in, the grace of the Lord came through, and the revelation was delivered to him from heaven, hallelujah, by an angel, and that he came to the revelation in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, listen to this, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Glory be to God. That's where the key is. That's where the light is. And I want to highlight two things in here. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after. Say with me, not after. Not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Can you notice that there is a not after and then there is a after? What does this remind you of? By Paul. He said, put off the old man, but put on the new man. There is a putting off, there is a putting on. There is a not walking after, and there is a after. We need both. The crucifixion is at the cross. The crucifixion is at the cross. But demons need to be cast out. But without being crucified... You won't have the power to cast out devils. The church can give you a lot of principles. But if you are not born again, if you are not crucified, you can have all the principles without the relationship. And without the relationship, you will not have the power. How many of you have got it? If you look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. And then after that, Paul continued to get revelation. To get revelation about what? About the life of the Spirit. Because he had done his best. His mind had been renewed. He was the one who wrote the epistles. He wrote so many epistles. Revelation after revelation after revelation. How many of you know that I can preach to you with all the revelation, but if I don't do it myself... If I don't walk in the spirit, I can die like any other sinners. To preach is one thing. To live is another. To pray is one thing. To live is another. And that's why the devil had got so many evangelists. Those very famous evangelists, pastors, teachers. They fell into sin after, right after the crusade. To preach is one thing. And that's why Paul was very, very blessed. He said that after I've preached to others, I would not be a castaway. To come to the service, to listen to a sermon is one thing. But to continue to listen to it at home is another thing. More, more, more. More of God will mean less of me. More of God will mean less of me. More of God, come on, will mean less of me. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. And then what did he say? But, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was waking up this morning and the Lord said to me, be filled. Because I didn't have this scripture when I was preparing last night. And he gave me this, this morning. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, yes, Lord, I know. And then he said, what? You know. Okay, tell me what does it mean? I said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell me what it means. Sorry, Lord, I don't know. Please tell me. 
Be filled with the Holy Ghost so there is nothing left. It's like when you fill a glass with water, there's no room left for any other stuff. No room left for any other stuff. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. No room left in my mind for any other thoughts but the thoughts of Christ. No room left in my heart for any other junk but the love of God. No room left in my emotions for any toxic emotions but the holy emotions of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're talking about Paul. We are not talking about a casual seeker. I don't know about you. I mean, I've been a Christian for many years. How many years now? I think almost, how many years? 20, 25? But I don't know. I'm so hungry to know him more. I want to know him more, more, more. I want to know him. You ask my husband, I want to know God more. I want to know God more. I have flown all the way to Canada, all the way to America, all the way to Africa. Why? Because I have an hunger for God. Such a hunger. Such a hunger to know him. Because there's so much more about God that we do not know. And the more you know him, the more you want to know him. Can we say amen? And then he continued to get revelation concerning the life of the spirit. If you look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 25, Galatians 5 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So now we have fill with the spirit, live in the spirit, walk in the spirit, walk after the spirit. Four. Come on, say with me, fill with the spirit. Live in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Walk after the spirit. Wow. Wow. Four is the number of the world. Four means you cover everything, the four corners. Okay, that's another lesson. So what are we talking about? What is Paul talking about? Paul is talking about, let us enter into another realm. He's talking about, let's enter into the realm, into the realm of spirit, into the realm of power, the realm of freedom, away from all oppression, depression, and slavery. Let's enter into the realm of the supernatural, the victorious, the triumphant. Hallelujah. Let us enter into the realm of freedom where you stay free. Glory be to God. Freedom. Freedom from sickness and disease. Freedom from poverty. Freedom from oppression. Freedom from strife and captivity. The Lord spoke to me this morning. He said, The place of spirituality is the place of unity. Remember in the Psalms, where the people gather together in unity, what will happen? There he command a blessing. So it's not that we, come on, let us just hold hands and be together. No, it's the place of spirituality. It's the place in the spirit where I know you, you know me. My desire is the same as your desire. My joy is the same as your joy. Even before I talk, you know what I'm going to say. That's the place of unity. That's the place of blessings. Now we're trying to compete with one another. Now we're trying to see if you're better than I or I'm better than you. Not where we're saying, how come you have so much revelation I don't have? How come you're the pastor and I'm not? No, no, no. It's the place of unity where the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is having us all. How many of you have got it? Hallelujah. So to walk in the spirit means that you have to be spiritual to begin with. How can I walk in the spirit if I'm not spiritual? And what does it mean to be spiritual? To be spiritual does not, does it mean that I'm just being wacky? You know, I'm just chasing after the wind. Does it mean to be just mystical? To be spiritual means you have, write this down. Means that you have the spirit of truth. 
the spirit of truth. To be spiritual means you have the spirit of sonship. To be spiritual means you have the spirit of power. Remember, God gave the Father. God the Father gave the law on Mount Sinai, the spirit of truth. Jesus came to fulfill the law, to give us the spirit of sonship. The Holy Spirit came to endue us with power from on high, the spirit of power. So say with me, number one, the spirit of truth. Number two, the spirit of sonship. Number three, the spirit of power. I have not read this from anywhere. I have not heard this from anywhere. I got it from the Holy Spirit. Have you heard of the triune God? God is not one. He is three in one. The Father, come on, tell me, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And have you got all three? Have you got all three? Have you got all three? Are you the sons and the daughters of God? Is God your Father? Have you got the Holy Spirit in you? Amen. Complete. Nothing lacking, nothing missing. I want to be spiritual. Let's look at the origin. The origin of spirituality is God. We have, we have to be made spiritual. We have to be gifted with the spirit. We can't earn it. We can't attain unto it. You are not required to work for it. But you're asked Verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. So here's the good news. All of us, we were born into this earth. We were originally, when God created the first man, when God created the first woman, we were originally made spiritual. What do you mean? God breathed unto Adam. And he became a living soul. So every man and woman, whether you are a Christian or you're not a Christian, you are spiritual. And that's why every man and woman is attracted to spiritual things, good or bad. Very sad to say, mostly bad. (laughs) The good news is that it's your spirit. It's your spirit that makes you significant, significant, significant in the sight of God. Your significance, your value is in your spirit, not in your mind. In the sight of man is your mind, but in the sight of God is your spirit. Your spirit is very, very important to God. It is so, so important to God. It is your spirit that distinguishes you in heaven. It is your spirit that distinguishes you in heaven. For the angels, for the Holy Spirit, for God the Father, for Jesus, not your mind. It is your spirit that distinguishes you even in the sight of demons. Not your mind. And if you read John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23. The true worshippers. The true worshippers, not the true singers, not the true musicians. The true worshippers. Well, the devil tried to stop us and get us into the natural consciousness, but I would not allow him. Doesn't matter. Made a mistake, it's okay. Doesn't matter. It's the, it's the spiritual atmosphere that is most important. The true worshipers, what do they do? Shall worship the Father, what? Come on, read that together with me. 
One, two, three. One more time. And I want you to continue to read. For the Father, what? Six such to worship him. That means your spirit so distinguishes you that the Father is seeking you. Your spirit shines in the midst of the darkness. And the Father is seeking you. He's 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 seeking you you to worship him. The word worship means be in one communion. Miracles can happen in the time of worship. Power can be released in the time of worship. And worship does not mean singing a song. Yes, you can sing and worship at the same time. But worship primarily takes place in your spirit. It's that communion, that koinonia, that oneness with God. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, What does it mean then to be spiritual? It means you live in the spirit. You live in the truth. You live by the truth. God is seeking after you. How many of you would desire God to seek after you? Lift up your hands. So let's desire to be more and more spiritual. Come on, say with me. I desire to be more and more spiritual. Amen. One more time. You, 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 you have to sound like you mean it. Do you mean it? Yes. Do you mean it? Come on. Say it like you mean it. I desire to be more and more spiritual. 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 Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. The problem with the church is that spirituality has either been perverted You know how many wacky Christians that you know and I know? (laughs) They think they are spiritual, but they are not. (laughs) They are wacky, you know, they're weird. And in the world, of course, there are those that are spiritual and they go after spirits. Oh, cows. You know, different forms of Satan worship. As far as the church is concerned, the problem is that spirituality has either been hijacked or dethroned, belittled or mocked, distorted and suppressed. The natural has been pumped up, puffed up and popped up. Intelligence has been given the place of prominence over spirituality. Tasks, jobs, achievements, they are all working against your spirit because they puff up the arm of the flesh. How many of you realize it's very hard to cook and be spiritual at the same time? It's very hard to be washing your dishes and be spiritual at the same time. It's very hard to be typing and spiritual at the same time. Tasks and tasks and tasks. Just be very mindful that you don't allow all the tasks to drown your spirit. Because tasks are natural. Revelations are spiritual. Why is that happening in our lives? Because that's how the devil can defeat people. Why? Because demons are spirits. Don't forget that Lucifer is a spirit. Satan is a spirit. They know where the power is. And the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the funny thing is that men are working so hard, so hard to make our computers more powerful than people. We're working so hard to make the robots more powerful than people. We are working so hard that at the end of the day, surveillance will be controlling us. Because we're working and working, have so many tasks, and yet have no revelation. 
The devil knows that the only way that he can defeat us is when we give up on our spirit or play down our spirit and get into our mind and get into our flesh. He knows that in our spirituality is our success. In our carnality is our defeat. I remember when my kids were growing up, I was already born again. I was in Bangkok, Thailand. I was very hungry. I was very thirsty for God. And I wanted to know God like I've never known him before. And my mind would tell me that you're neglecting your kids. You're neglecting your children. Because even when they were sick, I would, you know, naturally just take good care of them. And then I would pray. I would believe that God is healing them. And then the spirit of condemnation would condemn me and say, you're not a good mom. How come you're not worried when your kids are sick? And the Holy Spirit spoke up on the inside of me and he said, rebuke that devil. That's the devil talking to you. Your faith can do a lot more for your kids than all your natural cares and labor. Can we say amen? Amen. In our spirituality is our success. Come on, say with me. In my spirituality is my success. In our carnality is our failure and our doom. The devil seeks to defile, to pervert a man's spirit from the outside in. So that he can doom you for eternity. How many of you know that sin can attack you and talk to your mind? Sin can attack you and talk to your mind and your mind can conjure up a lot of toxic emotions. The mind can give you, can give you a lot of fears and worries. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You have to be aware of the atmosphere that you are in. Because we are made in the image of God, we are created. We were created sovereign, just like God. In the sense that we are entitled to our own choices. Your destiny is your choice. Your choices either make you or break you. You have what you say, whether good or bad. These are spiritual laws like the laws of gravity that you cannot overthrow. Remember what happened to Adam and Eve? They made their choices in the Garden of Eden. And as a result, they doomed themselves. They lost their future with God. What was their choice? What did they choose? They chose sense knowledge over spiritual knowledge. God had already given them the spiritual knowledge. Do not do this. Do not touch this. The prophetic word had been given to them. Do not touch this tree. That's the spiritual knowledge. God himself spoke to them. But where were they tempted? Where were they tempted? In their senses. They were tempted in their senses. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were tempted. Eve was tempted by her sight. They were tempted by their sight. Eve was tempted by what she heard from the serpent. They fell because of what they saw, because of what they heard. And Adam chose sense knowledge. What his sense knowledge was telling him over what God had told him. That's the betrayal. That's the fall. And it's still happening today. Our mind, our mind possesses, sorry, our mind processes what the five senses pick up. Can you tell me what are your five senses? Sight, hearing, 
seeing, oh sorry, we talk about sight, sight, hearing, feeling, touch, taste, and smell. Your five senses feed your mind. So the mind processes what the five senses pick up. It could be your own five senses. It could be others' five senses. And then your senses feed your mind with the information that you have picked up from your five senses. To why? Feeding them to your mind so that you come to a conclusion. And with that conclusion, you act. You take your action. So, for example, if I have pain in my body, pain, I feel so painful. I feel I'm hurting on the inside. Oh, my belly is hurting. Oh, it is so bad. It's so bad. Oh, I've heard about bowel cancer. Could it be that I'm having bowel cancer? Where did I pick that up? From my senses. Where did I pick it? Where did I pick that up? From what the world is telling me. From what others are telling me. But I have a choice. Do I go by what my senses are telling me? Or do I go by my spirit? What my spirit is telling me? By his stripes, I am healed. It's a choice. What's the difference? Your spirit knows. Your spirit knows. But your senses are tempted. How do I know that I'm hearing God? Because I know and I know and I know what is right. Let's say if your alarm clock, you know, goes off this morning at 8 o'clock. But then you say, let me sleep another 20 minutes. Let me sleep another 20 minutes. That's your senses. But your spirit says, get up now. Your spirit says, let's go to church. Let's go to church. Your senses said, no, they're still wearing masks. How many of you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) For somebody who is in jail, you know, oh, I'm doomed. I'm I'm in jail now. I've lost my future. Why? Why did he say that? Because he's drawing that conclusion from what he sees and from what he has heard and from how he feels. But then if he's a born again, He's a born-again person in jail. He says, no, I've been born again. I have a bright future. I have a new future in Christ Jesus. So do you know what I'm talking about? And that's why it's so important for you to come to church. Why? Because church is a spiritual place. This is the place of the spirit. This is the home of God. This is the home of your spirit. And when you praise and worship, when you listen, your spirit gets activated. Your spirit gets activated. Your spirit gets activated. More and more powerful, stronger and stronger, higher and higher, more and more vibrant. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes, come on. Yes. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So one is walking by sight, the senses. The other one is walking by faith, the spirit. Men think that is their mind that makes them great. You know, AI, technology, computer, uh, linguistic skills, reasoning skills. Uh, uh, what's that? Organization skills. But the Bible reveals to us that is our spirit that makes us great and powerful over devils and those who don't believe in God. You've had two births once you've become a Christian. 
The first birth was the natural birth. When God created you in Genesis, he breathed into Adam. That's the first birth. That's how you get your life, your spirit. The second birth is when you got born again by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit get in when the Holy Spirit got into your spirit. When he deposited himself into you and made you a spiritual person. So you are a twice born person. So let me ask you. Are you spiritual or not? Are you spiritual or not? Yes. Yes. It is very, very important for us to know our spirit, to follow our spirit and the Holy Spirit, to develop and exercise your unique and individual spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming to all of us, but your spirit is unique to you. Come on, say with me, my spirit is unique to me. Nobody can develop your spirit for you. Your wife can't do that for you. Your parents can't do that for you. Your kids can't do that for you. Even your pastor cannot do that for you. We can only point you and point you and point you. But the one who develops your spirit is who? Yourself. Yourself. Because that's the way that God has created every man. Every man, every woman is created to be sovereign. That means you have perfect control over your life. They can force you. They can push you. They can beat you up. But they can never Make you think what you don't want to think. You can be forced to bow down, but inside you are standing up. Exactly. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14, Proverbs 18, 14. Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Now, this is the uh, King James. If you look at the Amplify, it means to sustain, means to keep him on high, to keep him above infirmity. That's the word sustain. To keep him strong. Your spirit can lift you up above your bodily pain. How many of you know that the mind can do it to an extent? What do they call that kind of people? Stoics, right? Stoics. So if the mind can do it, how much more your spirit can do it? Your mind is very powerful, but your spirit, your spirit is marvelous. Marvelous. Praise the Lord. So, so powerful. The English Standard Version says a healthy spirit conquers adversity. So how do I walk in the spirit? Number one, what is your spirit? Your spirit is your consciousness in the vernacular. Your spirit is your consciousness. What do I mean? My consciousness, that means the Noah that is in me. It's nothing to do with my look. It's nothing to do with my physical body. It's nothing to do with my emotions. It's the consciousness in me. It's the spirit, what I'm conscious of. So that's why it is so, so important for, for us to develop our spirit. You develop your spirit consciousness. What are you conscious of? You're not conscious of the devil. You're not conscious of yourself. You're not conscious of the world. You're not conscious of the problems. Who are you conscious of? I'm conscious of my union with God. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. It's no longer I who lives, but Jesus who is living in me. And that's why Jesus said, the evil one touches me not. That confidence comes from 
your spirit. It's the I know, and I know, and I know, and I know. That's how we walk in the spirit. I just want to pause for a moment and help us to understand our soul. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. You know, we, we study and learn so many things, you know, study to be an architect, study to be a doctor, study to be a carpenter. All those things are outside of you. But you need to study so you know how to take care of yourself. So you know how to develop yourself. What has been given to you, develop. Can we say amen? Amen. Don't just do everything on the outside and lose yourself on the inside. So if you look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And the Lord God, Lord, okay, he's your master. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And what did he do? Breathed into his nostrils. That's where the spirit is from. The breath of life. And I want you to continue to read with me. And man became a a living, a living. Are you sure? Not a spirit, a living soul. So what had happened? God, who is a spirit, and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. God, who is a spirit. His, his spirit came into contact with dust. He breathed onto the dirt. A mannequins made of dirt. And then what happened in that interaction? A soul was formed. So your soul stands between your spirit and your body. Your soul stands between your spirit and your body. And that's why, you know, all the attacks, all the attacks that the devil tried to formulate, all the attacks are against the soul. Because if he can attack your soul, then he can attack your body and he can attack your spirit. And that's why when your spirit is strong, the devil doesn't have a chance to attack your soul and you stay in divine health. But if he can get you to worry, if he can get you into fear, you worry and you fear and you think and you think and you overthink and you overthink. What happened? You deplete yourself. And the spirit of worry gets into your spirit and your spirit becomes weak, depleted, have no power to sustain you, no power to keep you strong and healthy and smart. Why did God give us a soul? You know why? Well, God didn't give us a soul. He breathed into the dirt and the soul came into being. That's why every one of us is an independent person. Every one of you is like a baby is born. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I've just got a new baby. He's so sweet. Wait for another 17 years. Oh, so sweet, so sweet. Oh, these babies, so sweet. My grandkids, so sweet. Wait till they turn even 12. (laughs) Why? Because the soul of that baby does not belong to you. (laughs) You're kidding. You're fooling yourself. If you think that child belongs to you, he doesn't, she doesn't. The soul belongs to the person. The soul goes with the spirit, goes with the body. And that's why Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. Do you get that? Don't get yourself into false expectations. We should have expectations. But those expectations should be genuine and biblical, not false. Can we say amen? Amen. Amen. The 
that your soul is where you're conscious of what's going on on the outside. What happened in the Garden of Eden is the fall. What is the fall? It's the fall from the spiritual to the soulish. That's the fall that happened in the Garden of Eden. From the spiritual to the soulish. The will, the mind, and the emotions take over. The Bible says that, yes, there are many, many people, many, many Christians. But listen to me. Only a remnant shall be saved. What's wrong with the church? What's wrong with the church? What's wrong with Christians? Even very good Christians. Very good Christians. Soulish. Why are we soulish? Because we don't develop our spirit. No time to develop our spirit. Whereas you don't have to develop your soul. As soon as you step into the world, your soul is very active. You have to do this, do that, do this, do that. And then when you go home, I'm so tired, need to sleep. And then God tries to talk to us when we are asleep, right? In the book of Job. And then you said, wait till I have retired. That's why you don't have a choice. You must believe God for prosperity. Because he does not want you to work so hard that you have no time for God. Come on, say with me, money comes to me. Prosperity comes to me. You don't sound you believe in it. You don't sound like you believe in it. Do you believe in it? Do you believe that God wants to prosper you? Do you believe that God wants to prosper you? Yes. Then say it like you mean it. Prosperity come to me. Prosperity come to me. This is so important. Why would the people want to be Christians if every Christian is sick and poor? You know what the world is after? Health and money. Isn't that right? If you don't get it from God, do you know if you don't get it from God, where do you think you would get it from? You get it from the world. So if we keep preaching to you, if I keep telling you that God just wants you to be a good person and there's no power, And don't believe in healing and no money. Don't believe in prosperity. Guess what? You'll just be, I don't know, a hypocritical Christian. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We must have power. Come on, say with me, power. One more time, power. One more time, power. We must have power. And it's the will of God for you to have power. Physical power, mental power. Power to make right decisions. The power of miracles. Amen. The power of health. The power of wealth. Can we say amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. How to walk in the spirit? Number two, live by discernment and spiritual decisions. How to walk in the spirit? Discernment and decisions. Discernment and decisions. Remember Jesus in uh, the gospel of Mark? That you will be able to pick up serpents. Serpents, they can camouflage. A lot of times you can't see them because they have camouflaged. But the word of God says that you can discern and notice that there are demons there. The discerning of spirits. Discernment and decisions, they are very, very important. Discernments and decisions. Can I ask you to go to Matthew chapter 19? Matthew chapter 19 verse 16. How many of you are having a good time? Yes. How many of you have heard of the good young man? 
the rich young man. Right? The Bible calls him good. So that means he must be a nice person, you know, gentle and nice and good. And then he had done a lot of good things, I'm sure, a lot of good deeds, you know. Um, he, he loved Jesus and he had heard about Jesus. He had heard the preaching of Jesus. And, uh, and then he made his way and he made his way to Jesus. So that means there is, to an extent, a hungering in him. We're talking about somebody who is successful. We're talking about somebody who is wealthy. We're talking about somebody who's got a name for himself. And yet there is a void in him. There is a void in him. And he's going to test and see if he could get that void filled from Jesus. He said, I've done all that I could. I've obeyed the law. I've done everything. What else? What else could I do so that I can have eternal life? I've heard about your preaching. I've heard about you talking about eternal life. Can you tell me what must I do to have eternal life? So we're talking about somebody who's got like almost everything, but still void on the inside. And he's asking a genuine question. And Jesus, what did Jesus say to him? He said, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And then you will have treasures in heaven. And then you come and follow me. Jesus offered him two rewards. The treasures of heaven. Jesus offered him his personal discipleship. Come follow me. We're talking about Jesus who's followed by great crowds, you know. It's, it's hard even to get to him. He could get to Jesus because he's rich, you know. People respected him. That's why he could have a personal session with Jesus. And Jesus offered him, he said, I know your sincerity. I can see your heart. Now here's the answer. Get rid of what's holding you back. Get rid of what's tying you down to the earth. You will have what? Treasures in heaven. And you will have my personal guidance. And then what happened? Look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. Read that together with me. When the young man heard that saying... He went away sorrowful. That's very sad. He went away sad. He went away sorrowful. Why? Because he could not see. He was blinded by all his possessions. There's nothing wrong with possessions, but if your possessions are blinding you, you better get rid of them. That's why Jesus said, go sell. He's not saying, don't be wealthy, be poor. No. That's what the church was telling you, but that was wrong teaching. He was blinded by what he had. He could not see heaven's treasures. He could not see Jesus' offer to be his private coach, his life coach. He could have been one of those, you know, who were rich and giving to Jesus' ministry and following Jesus. Or you could put it simply, he was carnal. He was carnal and not spiritual. Do you get it? And what a loss. Can you tell me who is another person who is in a similar situation, but is exactly the opposite of this man? Come on, tell me. Who is that? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, rich, wealthy, tax collector. But he was hungry. Climbed up a tree. I want to have a, I just want to see this Jesus. Because what he had preached had so touched my heart. I don't know what it is. But definitely had touched my heart. And I'm not taking it for granted. I, I'm climbing up this tree. I don't care what people say. I don't care what they think about me. I'm having, I'm having, I'm, I'm seeing this man called Jesus. And you know what Jesus, 
Jesus, because his hunger, he drew the anointing from Jesus. He pulled the attention from Jesus. If you're ever worried about Jesus not hearing your prayers, maybe it's because you are not desperate enough. You are not hungry enough. And Zacchaeus was so hungry, he was so desperate to know Jesus, he climbed up that tree and Pull the attention from Jesus. And Jesus looked up. And what did he say? I'm coming to your house today. Wow. What a difference. What's the difference between carnality and spirituality? What makes Zacchaeus said? Jesus didn't even ask him. He said, I'll give half of what I have to the poor. I'll sell all that I have. Why? Because his spirit was excited. He knew that he would be getting something far greater. Can we say amen? Amen. And in the Bible, you know, you can see the same thing what happened to Esau. Why did he sell his inheritance? Why did he sell his birthright? Come on, tell me. For? For food. A bowl of soup. Right? What about Jacob? I want. I wanted spiritual blessings. I wanted spiritual blessings. I hungered. I thirsted. Can we say amen? So whenever you feel that spiritual things are not as important or it's not as appealing to you than natural things, what do you have to do? Rebuke the tempter. Remember, it's a choice. We are talking about this rich young man in the presence of Jesus. We are talking about this rich young man receiving a word from the word himself. Talking about the anointing. Talking about the presence of God. But he chose to leave sorrowful. Your choice is sovereign. You win, you lose the way you choose. When we talk about spirituality, we're not talking about not choosing. When we talk about spirituality, we're talking about choosing the spirit of truth, choosing the spirit of sonship, choosing the spirit of power. When we talk about spirituality, we're talking about getting into the place where we're united with God, where we're united with believers. What happened with Esau? He despised, he looked down on what was spiritual as insignificant. It's not as important as a bowl of soup. What happened to the rich young man? Again, he despised, he looked down at what is spiritual, what's heavenly treasure, huh? Follow you? Oh. <laughs> so if you want to be spiritual, you need to choose. You need to intentionally choose. Intentionally live. Let me finish with this. Religion says that to be spiritual means, you know, don't pay attention to the material. Don't pay attention to the natural. Christianity says spiritual manifestations, they happen in the realm of the natural, in the realm of the material. So that means when you are spiritual, you will manifest in the natural and in the material. There will be fruits in your life. When you are spiritual, the fruits will start to appear in your soul. Your soul will be transformed to become spiritual, not carnal. And your environment also will be transformed to become heavenly, not earthly. Can we say amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So let's desire to be spiritual. Can we say amen? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you, Jesus. 
If you're here this morning, it is not a coincidence. For Christians, there are no coincidences in our lives. No accidents in your life. Your steps are ordered of the Lord with your choice, with your decisions. Following the Lord is a choice. It's a decision. And once you've made that decision, you'll notice that God will release angels on your behalf. And he will release spiritual virtues unto you. So if you're here this morning and you have not intentionally made a decision, listen to me. I'm talking about following Jesus every day. Living in the spirit daily. Give us this day our daily bread. If you have not made the decision to daily live unto the Lord, daily walking unto him, walking after him, I want you to lift up your hands and say, Lord, I want to make this decision now. If you say, yes, Lord, I want to do this daily, then lift up your hands and say, yes, Lord, I want to. In fact, if I can ask you to stand with me. So you stand with your decisions. Can thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask you to say this prayer with me? Say, Father God, I thank you that you are daily committed to me, to take care of me, to watch over me, to guide me, to lead me. To be my father. To be my God. Jesus. I thank you. That you are daily. Committed to me. To be my Lord. To protect me from evil. Thank you Holy Spirit. That you are daily. Committed to me. To live on the inside of me. Never leave me. Never forsake me. So I also make the choice to make the wise decision to commit myself to you daily, daily, to be steadfast, to be committed, to be faithful, to be loyal, to live a good life, a prosperous life, a healthy life, both in this world. And in the world to come, eternal life. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Amen. Amen. Amen.